Welcome to Episode 7 of the Rider Nation Podcast. It's Maz McFly along with Kelly Kirsch. Big Rider win. They beat Ottawa 28-13, but the game and the final score are kind of the super background of the situation that happened in the fourth quarter when... Let's start here, Kelly. Uh, it started with a Dino Boyd late hit cheap shot on Pete Robertson, ended up breaking his foot, and then moments later or minutes later in the game, retaliation, Garrett Marino with a low hit on Jeremiah Mazzoli. All hell breaks loose. Teams are on the field. It's a melee, and for the past couple days, everybody has weighed in on Garrett Marino. I know a lot of people think he should be kicked out of the Canadian Football League. He should be deported. Never get a chance to play here again. Let's start here. Your take well, on the, the whole the, the, situation. The news or the, the update is that Jeremiah Masoli will be out between 10 and 12 weeks. It's essentially the season. He has to get surgery. He'll have that this week. That is really too bad for a guy that has uh, hung in there in the Canadian Football League and has had all kinds of you know different things to kind of overcome. Remember, he was the one that, you know, remember Johnny Manziel, you know, they assumed that he would take his job and then Dane Evans takes his job and all this kind of stuff. I, I, I think it's it's uh, a, a tough go. Um, I, I I don't know what you do with with Garrett Marino. Um, the uh, stuff that I saw that perhaps there was some racist stuff going on uh, before the hit. Um, all that sort of really clouds uh, a, a victory that put the Rough Riders to four and one. It really I really have a I very rarely do I have a bad feeling when the Riders win a game but it just felt really empty and, and, and uh, hollow. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm buying the tit for tat kind of thing um, between, you know, Boyd and Robertson and then Marino and, and Masoli. I'm not sure if I buy that. Uh, I, I think the refs lost control of the game a little bit from time to time, but I, I don't know. You, you have to protect your quarterbacks. It was clearly one of those, he got a hold of his legs and wanted wanted to kind of do some damage. Um, I don't know if if you're the riders, honestly. I, I I don't know if you have to deport the guy, but I just I just don't know going forward if Garrett Marino can be part of your team. Let's uh, so riders do win twenty eight thirteen. They move to four and one. Um, and up until that point, pretty decent football game. You know, you know the riders, the running game was coming together. And then when we get to the fourth quarter where this kind of, and maybe it wasn't tit for tat, but where this started, and, and it was referenced on TV um, at the time, but there was no replay shown. So Robertson, they show him rolling around on the ground. He looks like he's in pain, got hurt. But in real time, and once again, TSN, no replays. It took 20 minutes in real time after the Marino hit. They finally went back and showed it like an all-24 shot of what happened to Robertson, where Dino Boyd, after Robertson was thrown to the ground by another offensive lineman, jumps on him as the play is coming to an end, we find out it's probably um, a broken foot. If you rewind, you saw after the play, there was some talk going back and forth. I think it was Lanier and the Ottawa O-line after all of that had happened. Obviously, they're having words. One of their brothers went down, and it obviously wasn't sitting well. And then we'll fast forward to... Um, when the hit happened. Now, keep in mind, I, it's funny. Here's the thing. You've been, you've been around enough hockey players and we've seen enough hockey games. You can't tell two guys who are pumping adrenaline, whose wires have just crossed to calm down and to settle down. It just doesn't happen. Same thing in football. It's an emotional game. 
So I wanted to wait and see before. I know a lot of people were weighing in instantly. I want to see after the game, like the hit itself, like what did Dickinson say? Like what are some of the other football people saying? Because at first glance, he's he's the edge rusher. He's coming around the edge, and he gets pushed from behind. He does. Not the hardest hit, but he gets pushed from behind by Dino Boyd, of all people. He goes in low. And what it reminded me of is when you we saw that. Remember when Brady hurt his knee and he got hit low and he went down? And it was a little different. The the twist at the end, which you could see Marino doing not great. The WWF stuff walking off the field. That's never going to play well anymore. Probably a really bad idea in hindsight. But at the time, we saw last week in the Montreal game, Cody got hit low by Simmons from Montreal. He's rolling around. Eventually got up. It was unfortunate. Did it look like it was intentional? No. But sometimes that's just what happens. And when the quarterback gets hit around his feet, he can end up getting injured. So when Dickinson did his post-game press conference, yeah. and I'm not sure if you've seen it, he said he thought, you know, it was a football play. If you watch it with no sound and you take out everything else and the antics and social media and everything else, I saw it again today because Anthony Lanier had posted it. Darnell Sankey has posted uh, clips online of all the dirty plays that happened in the game to the riders that we didn't see on TV that weren't called. And they had said, like, football play. Everything else around it looks ex- extremely and incredibly bad. But here's the problem for me. If this was payback or it wasn't payback, it all started because of what the Ottawa players did. And TSN obviously is not going to recognize that. They were doing their holier-than-thou segment during the Winnipeg-BC halftime. It was everything like, trust me, they they should have had the guy deported and thrown out of the country if you would have listened to them. But, of course, they don't tell the other part of the story. Well, how did this all start? Same with Paul Apolise. At the end of the game, when you want to come after Dickie, and you could tell, like, they did eventually shake hands, but you could tell he was swearing, hey, listen, you had a chance after you saw Boyd deliver that cheap shot injuring a rider, you could have taken your own guy out of the game and said, listen, that doesn't fly on my team. Have a seat. But you didn't. Then things boiled over. You have you got to know, and you've heard this before, these rider players have said they're like dogs. They're, they're a pack of dogs. When one of them goes down, you don't think that that locker room's tight and they're not going after it. Now, and maybe Marino acted on his own. I bet you nobody had to say anything, but you have to know that in that brotherhood mentality where it's one pack against the other, that something like, whether it was Marino, you had to know something was going to happen. You have the CFL sack leader laying on the ground, had to be helped off the field and find out he's got a broken foot. So, yeah, what did you expect was going to happen? You don't think that there was going to be some sort of retribution? It's pro sports. It happens every game. doesn't matter what the league, and you've seen this a million times. It's very easy in hockey. You know, a next shift, next period, maybe the next game, there's a fight. Somebody's got to settle the score. And was Marino settling the score, or was he just going in low hit? I guess we'll never know. Uh, If you're the Riders, do you, besides outside CFL suspensions, do you give them a game or two on your own just to calm the waters? Of the raging mob that I'd wants to find his out head. about uh, the racist stuff. If that was actually actually happened, I would talk to, you know, do some sort of investigation, find out about that. But uh, you know, the, the thing is, the actions are the actions, right? The results are the results, and it's 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 terrible that Pete Robertson's got a broken broken foot. How long he's going to be out, we'll see. 
but Jeremiah Masoli, when it happened after the fact, I, I, you know, it's tough for me to think that justifies it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm squinting to, to see that one. Um, I just, I just think that it was just one of those things that um, got out of control. And, and I really, really think this, this needs some, some pretty decent discipline. And I think you'll see it. I think you'll see it, to be honest with you. Okay, so now they're going to start. Now, and we've seen these people, and I'll, I'll bring up the name, Simone Lawrence, who's been a repeat offender, and when they get these suspensions and Kyrie's a bear and the same thing, and they just appeal, 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 and then you never have to sit out those games. So now they're going to start. Now is the time where they're going to start doling out the um, the actions. And I hope that they don't let this Dino Boyd off the hook as well, because he's on camera doing it, and it's well after the play. It's not even a football. Hey, at least on the Marino thing, it was a football play. It wasn't It wasn't late. It wasn't – now, someone say, you can't say it's not deliberate. But it wasn't deliberate to the sense of running in and just – you know, pushing a guy blindside or whatever. It was an actual football play where you look back at the Robertson one and go, yeah, you're the second man in and you jumped on him. Like you guys were wrestling in the backyard. So it'd be interesting. Now they're like, Oh, we got to, but the CFL has had a, and you know, this too, this is the thing about the CFL. There has been, there hasn't been any deterrent to not act like this because there's no real discipline. Just keep appealing. What are they going to do? They can't take your game checks. You never have to sit out a game. Look at, um, so, uh, and this year, I mean, we saw it already with uh, Lawrence and the hit on uh, Fajardo. Nothing, he stays in the game. Rewind to 2018 when he took out Caleros with the headshot. Yeah, it's a 15-yard penalty, a fake apology. We lose our starting quarterback. He doesn't even get kicked out of the game, and, you know, he plays the rest of the season. No big deal. And the other thing, too, if you follow him on Twitter, and I saw this, um, he's kind of been mocking what's going on. There's him in a kayak. He's, you know, rolling. He's like, Hey, what's happening? Anything big, any big news this weekend? So, you know, he knows he's like Ric Flair, the dirtiest player in the game and he gets it. And, you know, and if they do decide to make an example out of Marino, I guess that's what's going to happen. All I would say is if I'm the riders and you've seen this on TV, we see Jeremy O'Day on the sidelines quite a bit, right? He's usually far off to the rider bench. Now, in hindsight, this is easy to say. If he is down there and he kind of sees or pick up, picks up what's going on, maybe if J.O. is the one to escort him off the field to be like, listen, man, head down, out of here. Like, this is, you know, not the arms in the – because he's, you know, this is general manager of the football team telling you to do this, not just some, you know, assistant – with a green rider shirt on, maybe that's quelled. Now that that is a ten foot reach of like a scenario. Who knows? Maybe Jo is in the press box. But you know, when you usually see him down, they'll show him on TV, off to the side, close to the rider sidelines, there, close to the dressing room. Every time they replay it, it only looks worse, and it's it'll and it'll never go away. And you see people, and there's a lot of people that are happy that this is happening to the riders. You know, social media. It's easy to be a key, keyboard hero or whatever. Couldn't happen to a, a, a you know a better team, classless coach has no moral code, nothing. Couldn't even, but you know, Dicky praised him in the post game um, press conference, saying, "Listen, he's made huge strides since last year. I'm glad that he said I'm going to stick up for my player. He didn't know if it was payback or retribution uh, from the Robertson hit. He would have to investigate a little further. But here was my thing, which the only thing I didn't like about all this." If Lapo would have came across the field and wanted to do the tongue lashing, if it would have been Dave Dickinson, 
that doesn't end as quickly. And I'm thinking people would have had to separate those two. But Dickie just seems like too nice of a guy. But if you would have came at Dave's face after the game with something like that happened, Lapo, I don't know, man. How many hours do you think that they've spent at the offices there at Mosaic Stadium sitting there going, what are we going to do? Yeah, there's there's what kind of the, there's the team dynamic thing where, you know, what what do the other guys really feel about Marino? Like, are they are they truly brothers or do they think he's way offside? Uh, there's also kind of the, the public image thing of the Rough Riders and, you know, do we want this kind of thing going on? Um there's also like I, the social media noise is the social media noise, and it just gets wound up, and that's fine. Like that's that's what people like to do. But uh, you know, by the time a lot of people you know watch this and hear this, you know, we'll know the the punishment for Garrett Marino, and it'll be interesting to see our, on our next uh, installment what what the uh, you know what the problem. I'd be shocked if he makes his trip to the Maritimes with the team. I would shock. Oh, yeah, no. And I would think even if – and once again, in fine form CFL fashion, they're waiting. Nothing. It's been crickets. Come on. But I, but I would think J.O. and Dickie and those guys, even if anything hadn't been metered out, they'd be like, listen, we're not taking you. This is our choice. This isn't a league thing, you know, to appease the, uh, to appease the mob. Uh, to go, I don't know. I didn't like the I didn't like the Robertson stuff. And two football players had to be helped off the field in the game. One rider, one red black. That's too too many. The Marino situation obviously overshadows the horrible play. But Dino Boyd is not innocent in this. And if he, you've got to believe, it may not be one hundred percent the spark that started the fire. But I'm going to say it's about seventy five. When you take down somebody like that, you just got to know. It's coming, and usually, who pays the price? Your star player, not some old lineman who's like six four and three hundred twenty five pounds, and you're gonna roll on top of him or whatever. It's the star players that pay the price. Look how many times Cody has got hit, and it's been in a questionable manner. And if it would be a Caleros or a Bo Levi Mitchell or any of these other quarterbacks, he would get a call. And a lot of times, he doesn't get the call. The first game against BC last year, and I'm trying to remember the kid's name. He was their first round draft pick good kid that linebacker there was a play near the end zone he flies in and it's a clear headshot on cody and after review they call nothing and i'm like guys he's he's a quarter like guys come yeah, well, on i think i think there's a, a, a bigger picture of player safety and sportsmanship and doing the right thing and i i think that's uh you know if anything comes from this you know and and forget you know Ottawa's still looking for answers too, right? Like they are still struggling and, and they are in a world of hurt right now. And uh, Jeremiah was loose. Oh, they're, they're garbage. And then the other thing too, and like Dickie said in his post-game presser, the whole Ottawa bench is on the field. That should have been a flag. Like that is, you can't do that. Like the Riders didn't storm the field last week yeah. when Fajardo got hit low and he's rolling around dancing in the end zone on one leg. It just didn't happen. And the other thing to player safety, too, if the CFL really cares about player safety and they want some be able players to have, like, longevity and to not be, you know what? Open up your roster. Most guys on practice rosters now aren't getting practice roster any money. They're getting full salary, so they'll actually stick around, which isn't a lot. Instead of, like, 42 or 43, put it up to 50 or 52 men so you can actually have some replacements on special teams and on offense and defense so you don't have guys running out there playing 50 to 60 snaps a game wearing their bodies down, and when they get tired, and that's when they get injured or whatever. So the whole player safety issue, listen, I don't think 
this is going to solve whatever happens to Garrett Marino. I don't think this is going to solve uh, player safety. They've they have done a marg- a mildly better job at um, protecting the quarterbacks, but sometimes it depends on who the quarterbacks are. If it's a high profile quarterback, they all, yeah, the good guys always get the call uh, in the time. Well, and you know what? And sometimes, and a lot like this, some of them, they've you know legitimately earned it, where they've put in their time in and around the league, and you know what? And they have rapport with the officials, and they look at it. Outside of that, Andre Pru and his crew, they didn't do necessarily a bad job. The Riders only took the four, four penalties. So as we get into the game, Cody's seventeen for twenty-two, two hundred thirty-one yards, two TDs, seventy-seven point three completion percentage. That's one of his highest comp percentages of the year. Hickson ran five times for 92 yards and one TV. Morrow did the heavy lifting in the running, 16 for 78. He was pounding. Hickson was hot, though, and it looks like he was, and I'm like, you know, when he gets hot, like ride him and keep going. Uh, Duke Williams, four for eight, 76 yards. I was so thankful. I think it was sometime, was it late first quarter, early second, when Cody actually connected with Duke and he got a pass. And I'm like, please, thank you. We need to have a connection with it. We, we can't. It would be like... You you can't not have, you know, it's like you look at those bomber games now that uh, he uh, Caleros has Ellingson. As soon as he hits Ellingson and they get that first catch, that kind of sets them on their way. It would be like how many? Oh, it would be like Anthony Calvillo and Ben Cahoon. If you can never, if you could have stopped Ben Cahoon from ever catching one, you're probably going to win that football game. But he catches one. Next thing you know, he ends, he's got nine catches on the game. And I'm so thankful when he made that connection on Duke. Then Jamal Jamal Morrow, this one kind of popped out. Six for six. Six attempts, six catches, 67 yards. Well, it wasn't like I didn't warn the Ottawa Red Red Blacks to look for that. It was clearly on the last episode. That's that's their kind of thing they like to do. But, oh, well, well, what are you going to do? Are you concerned, though? We gave up five sacks. And I'm going to say that four of those five were easy sacks like they were not of the you know cody got chased down 12 yards outside the pocket and taken down some of them were and ottawa and we don't know enough about the ottawa red blacks to know but no big names no big stars on there just they got through yeah we did a good we've done a good job in the running game but five sacks we give up five like that's not good like cody no. can't take that and they had to make some changes with the offensive line you know lauderdale goes in there and i uh i i still am not sold on the offensive line of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and any or anywhere near it, and uh, unfortunately, there there is no. They're going to have to, wait, you know, fix it with the guys they have, right? Because there's no, there's no way to fix this. You're not going to find, you know, five guys, you know, on the street, you know, on Broad Street in Regina, and they can block better than those those guys. That so this is the problem they're going to have to have, right? So. Um, you can find five guys in Regina. Yeah, you probably could, but not, not necessarily on the offensive line. Game. So. I, 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 it's my, I've been saying this for uh, seven weeks now. It's still, uh, there's some good things, you know, run blocking looks really, really good, but pass blocking. And then you get, uh, you get Cody where he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't trust those guys and either, you know, fires all quick or runs or gets he happy feet or whatever. Good. That is going to be a, a real uh, interesting scenario, but that's, you know, it is too bad. You know, the riders go to four and one and they, they kind of need it, you know, because, doesn't look like the Stampeders or Bombers are slowing down anytime soon. So that that's interesting. Um, and I, it's kind of interesting how the- Let's go back to uh, Cody in the pocket. And I was watching because I 
<laughs> I was explaining earlier, I watched the first quarter live, but then we had to go pick up our daughter from a birthday party in a really fancy, ritzy neighborhood here in Calgary called Bear Spa. That's some, yeah. some, some nice real estate out there. So anyways, so I'm back. And so I just happened to be, when I finally got, but we got back home and the you know kids at a birthday party, they eat candy, they're bouncing off the wall, sit down, I'm watching. And it was a little better, but to watch Cody and look so uncomfortable in the pocket when he's got the ball in his hands and he's trying to go through reads and look at receivers, just the panic and the fear. I was getting anxiety sitting on my couch where, what was it, the night before, watching Bo Levi in Edmonton behind a great offensive line, standing back there, tapping that ball, able to have some time, look around, cool as a cucumber, body language completely different, and just dimes and dimes and dimes and i hope that this game will help with that to kind of calm down those jitters but you can't trust your offensive line that they're going to give you two to three seconds to throw the ball to give the guys a chance to set up like we're we're only going to play better defenses as we I, get uh, further into the season like yes, even toronto back to back with toronto out, is, out, out on know, the uh East Coast there on Saturday, an early start, yes. 12 o'clock uh, Mountain Time. I do want to give a shout-out. You, As you said, you were kind of – I was li- had to listen to the first uh, uh, half as we were running around doing stuff on a Friday afternoon. And uh, fortunately, on Canada Talks on Sirius Sat- Satellite Radio, they had the Rough Rider game on. They do all the CFL games, so it's the home team broadcast. And uh, really good stuff uh, from – from Michael Ball and Luke Mullender and the whole crew there. I really thought it was a very, very professional broadcast, very slick, and uh, I really liked how it sounded, and it was uh, one of those things that really captured the moment. I thought it was it was well done. So uh, for folks that maybe, uh, you know, don't stream the radio broadcast or, or don't tune in to their pregame show, I highly recommend it. It's very, very well done. Um, being a Ryder fan, I will often do this, uh, whether it be in – Rod Peterson, Derek Taylor, and this year, Ballsy doing play-by-play. There'll be lots of games because sometimes TSN, and I couldn't handle Rod Black. I just, I just not at all. He's not doing the games anymore, but it was unbearable. Um, sometimes Suter, get, like on Friday, was off on his high horse. Mute the TV, listen to the radio. It's not that far out of sync as far as time goes because you realize, hey, TV's a little behind too. Uh, yeah, and then you can actually get the insight as to what's going on because for what you don't see on TV, when they go to the sideline reporters and you can have there's somebody standing on the rider bench. I remember Willie Cole used to be down on the rider bench giving us all the inside info when, you know, uh, Bobby Jurison would come off the field or Dave Ridgeway would be trotting on to kick a 59-yard field goal or whatever. That's the kind of stuff, that insider stuff, that is if you're a super fan like this, you want. And that's why I give praise to, and maybe, riderfans.com. Now, whether you've been on there, you have an account, you, you fess up to who you are, you're anonymous, or you're just going on there lurking, at least there's people on there talking rider football, and some of them do have insider kind of knowledge. Uh, so, which is kind of nice. And as a fan who lives far away, I truly appreciate that. Yeah, so, yeah, it is kind of nice to uh, do that. It's also kind of cool, too, when you're cruising around. And, you know, we live here. Uh, you're not in Regina, and you can hear the Ryder game on the radio because 20, 30 years ago, that's never happening. You know, unless you're there, uh, that's not happening. Uh, so the other games, uh, let's talk about this week. Calgary goes up to Edmonton, and I watched the f- – Final score ended up being 49-3 to the Stamps. But go back to the first quarter. Trey Ford escapes pressure and a sure sack 
throws a bomb downfield. It's what a 45 or a 50 yard completion highlight play. And then here was going to come part two of the Canadian quarterback, like sort of TSN agenda. But, oh, this is so good. This is so good. couple plays later, it's a design run play up the middle. He turns his back as he's getting tackled, gets hit from behind. And they didn't say it was a broken collarbone. They said it's a broken collarbone issue, but he was out on the sidelines in a sling not long after that. And he's going to be out a bunch of weeks. The Trey Ford story was good while it lasted, but as you know, you got to be durable. You got to be on the field. You can't win games from the tub. And that's probably one of those things like when you are that running quarterback, you're susceptible. And then from Trey Ford, you saw the drop off. I didn't, is it just me or has Nick Arbuckle always been that bad? And I have just, for some reason, just never noticed. Cause I'm like, man, dude, you are awful. And the team around you is awful. I, I granted. Yes. But no, he was wasn't. He I that think bad? it was in different systems that, that made him uh, look a little bit better. But I, I, uh, I really have some worries about the Edmonton Eskimos and I just, I just don't know, you know, all the changes they've made and this is going to be the, the new thing. And Chris Jones is going to be, I, I don't know. That team looks brutal to me. Now, granted, it was a little strange with an hour and 30 minute, you know, weather delay and stuff that throws it off, but both teams have to go through that, but it looks, uh, it doesn't look good for the Edmonton Eskimos. I mean, they play, the Stampeders, you know, the, uh, you know, two more times, and they haven't even, you know, they're not even in the the games right oh. now. So um, that will be interesting to see. Uh, and as far as you know, um, the you know the other game, we, we talked about it a little bit. That was supposed to be the big marquee matchup, BC hosting Winnipeg, and um, it, it, you know, maybe it was for a few seconds, but certainly, you know, BC's got a lot of work to do. Welcome to the CFL, Nathan Rourke. There's a defense that made you look like you are a second-year starter, and yeah, that's how you learn. A lot right? of work the only way you can learn to be a exactly. quarterback is to play. So, oh yeah. And and the other thing too, and keep in mind, it kills me to say this: Winnipeg is still a very, very good football team. And you said this yeah. until somebody yeah, beats them. Yeah, I haven't them, seen them drop off. The no, not, like not it or not. They seem to be kind of doing it on 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 all levels, and, and they seem really really strong. So it'll be interesting. And how are they doing this and staying under the salary cap? Like they add Ellingson. I, listen, let's call for an investigation here because there's got to be shenanigans. Like they're probably over, right? How do you keep? All, you've won two Grey Cups in a row. How do you keep all these guys? Yes, you lost Lawler, but you bring in Ellingson, and you're like, man, you know what? And then the other thing too is when you're good and you're playing well, you catch a few breaks. And then the breaks turn into more breaks, and then they steamroll, and you guys know, and they know how to be in the right spots. And guys know how to win games when it's important. And that's the important thing. And that's probably like the uh, uh, the intangible. It would have been interesting to see yesterday. I saw the interview on the sideline. Brian Burnham's out with the broken ribs um, just to see him in the game because he's one of those guys that he he can be a game changer. Now, would that have been enough to beat BC no. or to beat Winnipeg? Probably not. But Thursday or Friday night, Calgary is in Winnipeg. Now, sh- is it too early for a bold prediction that whoever wins this game takes first oh, I, place I in the West? You know, that is, that is I the think premier if Calgary, game if Calgary, if sure. Calgary can Stan win. Peters have, have uh, oh. okay in, in Winnipeg, but, you know, everyone's that, – that's Friday night football at its best. Uh, the Thursday night game, Edmonton, Montreal, maybe not so much, but 
Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens That's a dumpster with that. Fire bowl right there. And, uh, yeah, and the long, long trip for Saskatchewan going uh, going a few different time zones yeah. away out to, in the Maritimes to take on the Toronto Argonauts, on the first of a home-and-home. Home. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see it. Sorry, McLeod Bethel-Thompson and, and Riders, but, and I do love you, but you're no, not the key no, game. No, I mean, it's not Calgary win a big game. I want to see that one. Sure. That is, like, let's see where everybody's at. Me too. Like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch the Ryder game. Don't get me wrong, but Winnipeg, Calgary, because that's gonna dictate yes. a lot of what's gonna happen yeah. in the CFL for the rest of the season. Let's not kid ourselves. Green tinted glasses or not, uh, the Toronto Ryder game really won't have much of an effect on the, you know, uh, what's gonna happen going forward. You know, like Bo Levi, he hasn't played a good defense. Has he faced a good defense? Well, I mean, this year? you know, he's 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 looked pretty decent in the games. I mean, obviously a big win against uh, uh, the Elks, and uh, and they just kind of had a, a Edmonton twice, right? So just looking back, uh, they had a hell of a comeback against Hamilton. That was that was quite the game way back when. And uh, I'm trying to think of the other game. Oh, uh, they beat Montreal on, on the in week one, which was a hell of a game too. So. Um, We'll we'll see. I mean, I I think that'll be a, if you're a better, that'll be a one to kind of really dig into and see see what you think. Um, here's the thing, and I don't know why. Maybe it's family issues or something. But hopefully, we're going to see Mario Alford actually join the Riders this week in a trade from Montreal and actually be on the roster because they're like, oh, he's still in Montreal. I'm like, can you not? Like, just I, no, I guess not. And then right before we started recording today. Did something happen to Hamilton's punter? I don't remember the punter, but they signed former rider yes. John Ryan to be their punter because his wife, Sarah Kalana, who's a comedian, was online um, asking, hey, where's a good spot in Hamilton to get something to eat and to get a drink? N- n- no non-alcoholic recommendations, please. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's no, good, good for him. I mean, he's a lot of rider fans are still a few episodes ago. Boy, punting has got to be one of those things where you shouldn't have to worry about it. And if you're worried about it, yeah. Yeah, the Riders did get their Aussie puncher back from the Stamps now that uh, Cody Grace is healthy again. And I'm betting it was always probably one yeah. of those, you know, between O'Day and Huff. Like, listen, we'll give him to you for now. When he's healthy, we want him back. Let's we got to swap, and like, there's a global that get traded to have him back. But Vedvik, he was okay. He wasn't great. He wasn't like Cody like, Grace like good. Um, so here's the thing. I know a lot of people are sour that J.O. didn't sign, re-sign John Ryan. In the CFL, you can't pay a punter $100,000. When most teams have got fifty to fifty-five grand allotted for that spot because that yeah, money has to go to somebody to else on the roster. Yeah. John Ryan was great. to do both, yeah. Okay, other stuff. Um, as we record this, the stampede is going on in Calgary. I moved here in 1999, so I've lived here 23 years. I have, we went today, we took the kids. I have never seen so many people at the Calgary Stampede than ever before. I think the three-year break, although it was kind of open last year, but not a lot of people went. People have missed Stampede. You couldn't walk four feet around you without having other people around you. It was crazy. I'm not sure if you have plans on going, but if you hate crowds, this is not the year to go to Stampede. I'm glad people are going again, but it was awful. It was so bad, and you're trying to kids through the crowd. Yeah, Stampede is, uh, oh. is is jumping again. The city Ooh. is jumping. Uh, you know, Kevin Costner is the parade marshal. That was massive. He said, yeah, he said the right things well, that was in, cool. in the press conference afterwards. Like very, very cool. 
uh, you know, and the concerts in and around it. You know, for people who aren't from Calgary, people think, well, they go to the Stampede and they watch, you know, they'll go to the Midway or whatever. And that's not really what Stampede's about. The rodeo and the Rangeland Derby are a big part of it, plus all the parties that uh, go on all over the city, different corporate events. Uh, It was neat to see just driving down Deerfoot Trail, all the, uh, you know, party rentals and chair rental places. Those big trailers were, were rolling all over the place. So they're making money again because it would have been pretty lean for those those guys, you know, last couple of years. So that part, I think, is great. Yeah, crowds are, are something. Um, and they've got some big, big groups on the Coke stage and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I will go on Friday to the, uh, to the uh, Rangeland Derby and the Grandstand Show. That's usually what I do. I pick one of the two, either the rodeo or the grandstand show. So this year will be the three chuck wagon races, uh, three teams instead of four, which I saw yes. on TV, which looked a little different. I'm curious to see what it's going to look like live. Um, here's a little tip uh, if you are, are planning to stampede. Now, the best escape in a perfect world, you never use a porta potty because it's 2022 and we have plumbing had plumbing for a long time but at stampede and all of these parties that kelly's talking about in these different tents and events it's porta potty city porta potties on day one that's as good as it's ever going to get in stampede and it's never going to get any better than that so when kelly goes on friday and that would be what day seven day eight all bets are off and by day 10 you should probably just learn to hold it until you get home or stop somewhere. Like a lot of people, once you get outside of downtown, stop the car and run in somewhere to go. Cause yeah, she's a little dicey. We're walking past the Cowboys tent downtown and I'm like, what, what is going on? There's a giant sign that says offering gratuity to staff will not get you entrance into the tent. That's what stampede is about. Knowing different bouncers, greasing different Business people, cards. skipping the line, using your connection. You can't grease a bouncer anymore to skip the line of cowboys. What has this world come to? Come on now. Terrible. Terrible. Um, $25 for parking, Kelly Curse. I hope you're prepared for that. Now, that was stampede parking. That wasn't Okay. Remember, oh, well, it still happens. You go to a rider game in Regina. There's legitimate parking, and then there's some guy with a backyard, a lawn chair, a six-pack of Bohemian, and a pack of cigarettes, and a sign that says, park here, 10 bucks. I tend not to go that way, especially having kids and a wife that I want to stay married to, because if our car gets stolen, we're going to have all other set of problems. 25 bucks. Last time we went, it was 17 to park at Stampede. Even during the pandemic, I think we went to Eric Church. It was only 17, 25. So if you're going, watch out. She's a uh, a little pricey. Once you, 23 bucks to get in, a little stiff. Uh, I don't know that's a, that's necessarily worth it just to get in and wander the ground. Now, for a lot of people that think, does that include everything? No, that doesn't include you getting into the rodeo. doesn't include you getting into the chuck wagons or the grandstand show. That's all completely separate. That's just to get on the grounds. Uh, to see, and as always, Kelly, and you probably love this too, the inappropriate fashions you will see at any fair or exhibition anywhere. But Stampede, it was a nice day today. I think it was sunny in 24. And some people just let it fly. No shame, no guilt. Whether it's cut down to here or up to here or whatever it is. And I'm talking guys and girls. 
Why wouldn't you be shirtless at Stampede showing off the screaming eagle chest plate tattoo that you have with a cigarette tucked in your ear like you don't see anymore, old days, and a classic red bandana? To that guy, I was like, Yeah, you never see those people unless you're at Stampede. You notice that? Like, I just, I, I don't know that this person lives in the same city as me. I don't know. I don't. He could be a corporate executive downtown at maybe, maybe at the, in maybe. the Shell just, Canada building. Let's he could be, and maybe he's just like rip on the cutting loose. Good for him. Um, um, I did get a stern warning from my wife because last week I stumbled. There was nothing on TV. I stumbled okay. into watching Game of Thrones again. Uh, it was season one was on episode three, so I'm like, well, I might as well watch, and I'm in. So I did finish the first season, and then my wife's like, you can't watch that. What if the kids come down? Like that's the one show you don't want to see yeah, kids just. The kids yeah, like what's happening here? Stumble in on, you know, Eddard Starks getting beheaded, and you know, the seven-year-old's like, "Dad, what is that?" Oh man! So it's like, okay, I'm good. I'm all caught up, and I'm ready to go. But you go back, and you're like, it took me three tries to get into that show. Three tries, I tried watching it, couldn't do it. And eventually, by season five, my wife started watching it, and I'm like, okay, good, I got it. Now I'm completely caught up on you know the characters, and obviously the where that story goes but uh it's, it's funny with no hockey on anymore i'm not much of a baseball guy i've been getting back into wrestling lately watching aew because wwf slash wwe is terrible these days story yeah well, i was kind of not a lot of jays jays that trip up to seattle where it was all canadians you know helping them out um but yeah i finished off ozark so we got that done and now we're now we're figuring oh, out what, uh, what's I... next year for the summer <laughs> I was uh, such a, I was so stoked about part two of season four in Ozark. And I just happened to do this because I have a little bit of free time. <laughs> Not according to my wife. I, I, there's stuff I should be doing. There were seven episodes. I did them seven in a row. I didn't stop. Bathrooms and drinks and snacks only, seven in a row. I needed to see what was going to happen to the Bird family. Because I'm like, how are they going to wrap up this series? And it truly was. I'm like, what are they going to do? Like, is the cartel – this is not going to be a spoiler. Was the cartel going to catch up with Marty and Marty was going to have his reckoning? Or the birds have always managed to escape somehow, some way. And I got to tell you, before it goes to black like the Sopranos – Great final yeah, scene. Would stuff. you not agree? It was really good stuff. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just one of those pandemic things. We watched the you know the first few episodes, and then we're waiting for the finale, and it's uh, it was pretty cool. So we'll see what uh, where we uh, where we land here for the rest of July. All right, that'll do it. Uh, episode seven of the Reiner Nation podcast. Hey, thank you to everybody. Uh, it, this is it keeps growing every week. Um, I know on YouTube, people are liking and subscribing. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, that's so awesome. It's at Rider Nation uh, podcast. Uh, we get a lot of nice comments and get people following on Apple and Spotify. We we appreciate this. We're just two guys in basements with computers like everybody else. Let's do the podcast thing. And on social media, I know on Twitter, a lot of people were interacting back forth. Um, we had a and on Instagram, a bunch to say about yes. the whole uh, Marino Robertson situation. And uh, and and thank you. Um, you know, we. It's fun to be a fan, but sometimes it's nice to be level-headed and maybe not just overreact emotionally at the time and take a step back and be like, hey, you know what? Let's 
let's just let's if we were to take ourselves out of the situation, how does this actually really look? So, uh, as always, thank you. And if you want to sponsor this, just get at us uh, the link tree on Instagram. Uh, that'll do it. Episode seven, Rider Nation podcast in the books. All right. <laughs>